I remember Jack brought some Afghan temple ball with him to share with the rest of us. Yeah, we were definitely stoned when we went out on the lake just before we got that sighting. Now. Afghan temple ball. Listen. Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, we're going to talk about the Allagash Incident, which is a UFO thing that happened at Allagash Lake in Maine. It certainly is a UFO thing, because some might refer to it as an encounter, some might refer to it as an abduction, right. others might refer to it as a nothing. Yes, as a hoax, a hooey hoax. Yes. I did not know about that aspect of it until we did the research for this. I know. It's a fairly recent uh, development that one of the four gentlemen that mm-hmm. experienced the Allagash incident uh, has come out and said, uh-uh-uh, but... You know, right. we'll get into that a little bit right. it's later lived, in the episode. It's lived on in my mind since I watched the Unsolved Mysteries episode however long ago as like a thing. Yeah, this was really your sort yes. of uh, uh, thing. We've had this on the list forever. I think people have recommended this to mm-hmm. us. But this is also something that you called out as being like, oh, I've wanted to do this for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember this segment from Unsolved Mysteries. I really, really like it. Yeah. So. And especially Unsolved Mysteries is back. I know. Yeah. Have you watched it all? It's back, baby. I... I've watched some of it. I watched the first two episodes and then I jumped ahead to their new UFO episode, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, that's right. I what liked about that you? a lot too. Um, Allie and I watched, I think, all of it. I think. Yeah. I, I think we skipped over episode three mm-hmm. to get to the UFO that right. you had recommended. Right. So I don't maybe we have to double back to get to the, the to episode three. We may have skipped over that, but watched the rest. Okay. Yeah. 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 Really I mean, good. yeah, it it is really good. I wish there was more paranormal stuff in it. it that like that Berkshire's UFO episode is the only one of the six that's not a true crime thing mm-hmm. so I'm a little disappointed about that because it's yeah. kind of like I mean it's good but it's basically like Dateline or Cold Case Files yeah I, I completely agree but for those of you uh, Guide to the Unknownies out mm-hmm. there the Berkshires yes we've been talking about it on Guide to the Unknown forever since basically the beginning it's a place that's uh, a very personal spot for Kristen and me from our child Right. We did a show from there in the past, Mm -hmm. and now it's a subject matter on Unsolved Mysteries, so look at that. That's right. The Berkshires are basically Rogers lore. Yeah. Rogers Dunn lore. It was was really cool to see. Like, they even called out Lennox. I know. They showed a map, and I was like, we go to all those places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was pretty sure that the parade they showed was one that our grandfather may have been in. He would be in, like, the Memorial Day parade. Okay. Um, So maybe. I don't remember what the parade was for. I don't know. I just remember us going to a parade. Yeah. There. And, like, I don't know. It all just, like, really evoked that feeling of, like, our childhood. I know. It was awesome. I loved it. But, yeah. Hey, speaking of which, if Mm -hmm. you are familiar to Guide to the Unknown, then ignore me for a moment. If you don't know about Guide to the Unknown, Kristen and I are a brother-sister duo. We're obsessed with spooky stuff. Uh, We've been doing this show since 2017. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we've covered hundreds of topics, pop culture topics, cursed movies, the real story behind things like The Conjuring, folklore, what are banshees, Mm -hmm. what are wendigos, right? stuff like that. You can find all those things in the archive. If you subscribe to Guide to the Unknown, you're going to get a brand new episode in all of your podcast feeds every Friday. The show's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. There's a YouTube version that you can watch on youtube.com slash talkbomb. Subscribe wherever you typically get your shows. You can find links to all of our social media and everything on gttupod.com, where you can also now find our spinoff podcast, Ghost Adventures Adventures, 
Kristen and I have just started on our journey re-watching every episode of the Travel Channel series Ghost Adventures, hosted by Zach Bagans and his crew of paranormal investigators. It's super fun. There are several episodes out right now, uh, and you can also get that on all your podcast apps. Guide to the Unknown is all over the place. It's everywhere, and if you want even more of us, you can support us through Patreon. First of all, it helps support the show. It is kind of a thank you and a tip to us for putting out all these shows every week, and and also, you can get your own private podcast over there when you're one of those generous donors. It's called the Netherworld Dispatch. And if you donate $4 or more per month at the Netherworld Warrior level, you'll get access to that podcast, which comes out on the 13th of every month. And it's going to be coming out on Monday if you're listening to this in real time. And there are like, I don't know, a couple dozen yeah. that you haven't gotten to listen to yet. So go to patreon.com slash pod if you want to thank us with money for the shows and if you want to check out all that stuff. Yeah, it really helps out. It helps support us. It helps keep us doing this and, mm-hmm. and, and being able to expand our horizons to other yeah. things. Yep. Um, so thank you all. Yeah, very thank much. you very, very much. Uh, okay. Cool. All right. So the Allagash incident. Yes. I feel like I should go first. I'll tell the story as it was told on Unsolved Mysteries and then... You can pull the sweater. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Keep pulling that sweater. Keep pulling the sweater. (laughs) So the deal is, I don't know that we've said that. Did we say it explicitly in on the episode yet that Will got information about one of the people who was involved in the Allagash Lake incident who says that it was Huey, Dewey, and Louie? By saying that I got information, it makes it sound like I met. He found. Like a stranger in the right, park. Right, on the internet. He, he got it. Who, like, handed me a brown paper bag and was like, don't let anybody see what's in that. Right. This is for your eyes only. For Guide to the Unknown's eyes only. Yeah, we'll got it. Everybody so, feel free to, to, to send me strange information. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fine. Yeah, you can send us tips like that. Oh, yeah. Um. So that's what's going to happen. I'll explain it to you, and then Will's going to kind of tell... Rip it apart. Yeah, rip it apart. <laughs> so... They covered this on season seven, episode 21 of Unsolved Mysteries. And it was actually an episode that was only about alien encounters. I think that's what the episode is called. So first it goes into Roswell and the Allagash Lake incident and maybe one other thing. But this is a total um, alien-centric episode and you can find it on Amazon Prime. I will link to it in the show notes. So they start off the segment with... A man telling us that he's been having these nightmares. Or he was having these nightmares and he couldn't explain them. And in the nightmares, he saw himself in a brightly lit room and he saw four of his friends all sitting on a bench next to each other naked in this very, very bright room. He himself was also naked. Then a shadowy figure would kind of come and enter the room and he didn't remember it after that. And he said that, quote, it wasn't like other nightmares where you think about some dumb thing. This would stick with me for days and days. I couldn't think about anything else. I couldn't function. It was horrible. So he was having this nightmare more and more often, he says. He would wake up in a sweat. He couldn't go back to sleep. It started to be a whole thing that was like dominating his life. Then his twin brother told him that he was also having nightmares and they were the same thing. They were similar or maybe even identical. Um, Not unlike them. Yeah, exactly. Um, Identical brothers with identical dreams. Right. Uh, That would be a good subject for the show sometime, like twins who experience things in tandem. like that Twin phenomenon. Yeah, that idea of like one twin bumping their elbow and the twin across the country is like, ow. Yeah, that's fun. Um, so they thought it was weird, but they just didn't know what to make of it. Like they didn't say this in the show, but yeah, maybe it was a twin thing. Who knows? And I'll just be phrasing all this, you know, not dismantling. I'm going to phrase it as though it's all true. 
So in the dreams, when they were comparing things, they were always with their friends, Chuck Rack and Charlie Foltz. And they started to wonder if these dreams were brought on by a weird thing that had happened to them 12 years ago when they camped out on the Allagash Waterway in Maine for two weeks and had something unexplained happen to them. So on the second night that they were out there, they said that they saw a bright light above the mountains that glue glowed glued glue flowed green. It flowed green flowed. (laughs) (laughs) It was glowing very brightly and then it blinked out and they were unsettled and like, what is this thing? But they decided to just move on. Two days later, they decided to go night fishing and they built a huge fire at their campsite before they headed out. And so in the Talking Head Things and Unsolved Mysteries, they were saying that this fire was humongous. It was actually maybe a little bit too big. Um, They should have been concerned about it, but they wanted to make sure that they could see it from the water and get back to their campsite and that it wouldn't go away and burn out. So Chuck is said that he was the first one that noticed something was going on. He said that there was a huge ball of light over his shoulder, and he told everyone else to turn around and look. They said it had a roiling effect, kind of like a sun, and that it was totally illuminating the treetops, and it was totally silent, which is awesome sounding. Yeah, so just like a hovering ball of light? Yes, that was moving and like undulating. Feels like some Harry Potter stuff. Yeah, like when a like when a Patronus comes or something like that. Or yeah, when... I'm thinking in particular of um, when Harry and Dumbledore went into that cavern where ah. Voldemort left like a totem. Yeah, that's and there right. was just a ball of light that then just dips into the water. That part's really rad. And monsters come out. Yeah, totally. Did you see the video it was going around of kids like uh, blowing up fireworks and it looked like Priori and Cantatum? No. (laughs) It was like kids like doing stuff in the street and like, I don't know, like playing with things. And it did look like zoom, zoom, zoom. Oh my God. I think that maybe if you Google it, it would come up. Um, Priori and Cantatum. (laughs) It's so dorky. (laughs) Imagine calling out Priori and Cantatum in 2020. (laughs) Everyone's still all about it (laughs) um so chuck saw the ball of light everybody turned around and saw it and was like what the hell's going on here so one of them decided to do an sos signal with their flashlight at it to see what happened and they said it got an instant response all of a sudden a beam came down from that light into the water and at first it was all good and kind of cool so chuck rack said quote the sensation i had was absolute elation i couldn't believe we were about to find out what it was we attempted to me- co- we attempted to communicate with it and it actually was responding but then it started moving toward them really fast and so that freaked them out they started rowing to shore as quickly as they could but they felt like they weren't going to be able to outrun it then the next thing they know, they're all on the shore, just like looking at the light, which is kind of close to them now. And Robert Sack's voiceover says, as though posing for a portrait. Oh. So I guess they're all just kind of like. All of them boop, doing boop, the thinker? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coolest portrait. Um, the four thinkers. <laughs> right. <laughs> they tried signaling to it again with their flashlight, but it didn't respond this time. And it just seemed to kind of like fold in on itself, get small, then move up, get big again. 
and then quickly move away until they said it was just like another star in the sky. They couldn't tell what was going on with it. And it sounds like they may have been in some sort of trance or like weird state because none of them talked about it. They weren't like, what happened to us? That was very weird. They were all just kind of like, night. And like went to their tents or whatever to go to bed and, and didn't discuss it. Oh my. The only thing that they agreed on that night was that if they figured they were out on the lake for about 20 minutes, but the humongous bonfire that was way too big was totally out by the time they came back. So that seems incongruous with that. And remember, like it wasn't cell phone time, so that couldn't really give them any illumination. Although they could have watches. Whatever. Well, oh, oh, to like see like the, how much the time has actually passed. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess you're right. Maybe they just didn't have watches. Yeah. Maybe they bring the. Who doesn't bring their watch on a two week trip on the Allagash Waterway? Um. Yeah, but if you're like, if listen, who maybe goes trying on to a get two away. week trip? You're right. Maybe you're trying to get away from civilization. Maybe they're the kinds of people that like are survivalists and yeah. engage by the sun. That's true. You know, if the sun's not there, I actually learned this. Then that means it's night. Oh. When it comes back, it's a different day. You're a bit of a survivalist yourself then. Thank you for acknowledging it. You're welcome. I've been called a naturalist before. <laughs> I'm a bit of a naturalist. I hope not. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the I, I read this, the same thing, though, about how they use their campfire as sort of the ticking clock element. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't seen a lot of the show The X-Files, but mm-hmm. I know that episode one has Mulder being all pumped mm-hmm. because his watch is out of sync with the dash clock in yes. his car. So it, it can show you oh time has changed for me individually right so for them to have set a gigantic fire Mm -hmm. that's meant to go for a really long time and it's so memorable this fire because they built it too big right they're concerned that it was too big right and then suddenly in the span of like 20 minutes it's almost gone Mm -hmm. that communicates the same point time has moved differently for us than it has for the fire yeah but it is not quite as tight as if they literally had watches right there's no like concrete proof of being like wait a second actually it's x time and we left at y time or whatever they just have to go by the fire so um so they they all go to bed they just don't really talk about it and the rest of their trip kind of continues without incident so they come back and they said that they've told their friends and family about it over the years and the friends and family kind of blew them off and was, were like okay whatever yeah right but jack and jim those are the two twins when they realized that they were having the same nightmares they decided they wanted to address it and see what's going on and if it has anything to do with what happened at allagash um because now they've acknowledged what happened there as being a ufo thing if they're obviously telling their friends and family about it so they contacted ufo researcher ray fowler or fowler who later wrote a book called The Allagash Abductions, just in case you want to check that out. And he referred the four men, because Jack and Jim got in touch with Chuck and Charlie, um, put them in touch with a, a hypnotist. So the way that it worked was that the men all went in separately and they didn't tell anything to each other about what was uncovered or what they were going to say to the hypnotist. And then after their hypnosis sessions, each of them drew or painted accounts of what they remembered during that session. So they play clips of the hypnosis sessions in the episode. And actually I want to read them to you. Let me go to them. 
I looked this up too, this regression therapy. Yeah. I referred to it as because it had been how, however many years, 12 years? Something like that. Since the event had actually occurred before they did the therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. So I decided to look into what regression therapy is. So while you're finding that, let me just Yeah, read go you for this. it. Uh, this is from goodtherapy.org. I have no idea how valuable or, or trustworthy this resource is. Mm-hmm. But they do say scientific research supporting the efficacy of regression therapy is limited. And this approach is somewhat controversial. Yeah. They point out that it's possible through regression therapy to uncover memories that are false. Yes. And later proven to be false. Yes. Uh, and that people sometimes use regression therapy to remember past lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, evidently that therapy works. If you're the kind of person who believes in past lives. Right. Right. Which means what? Right. (laughs) You know, I don't know. It could either mean that it's not anything, it's the power of suggestion, or it could mean that you're not able to access that if you're kind of blocking it because you don't buy it. Exactly. (laughs) Which is why I'm like... It's very tricky. You could just be a nasty blocker. Yes. Or it might not be real. Right. Well, no, you could be a nasty blocker and it is real, but you can't get to it. Right. Or maybe you're open and it's real and you're able to access it because you're open to it. Or maybe it's not real and they call you a nasty blocker because you insist that that remembering past lives isn't a thing you can do. Or that one. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So here are some excerpts. A nasty blocker. (laughs) Now that's a phrase. Yeah. Just using that. Just continued using that. A nasty blocker. You nasty blocker. All right. Well, these guys weren't nasty blockers. Because they accessed some things during these hypnosis sessions. So here's what Jim said. He said, they're, they're, they don't know what to do. I think they think I'm going to come after them. I feel like I want to. I feel like I want to. The first one that comes near me, I'm going to throttle them. I don't like these things. I don't care where they come from. They shouldn't be doing this to people. Whoa. Okay, that's his account. Then, or, you know, there's more to it, but this is what they play on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, yeah. Then this is from Jack. They're right there. Their face is right in my face. I don't know why. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what they want. They're saying things in my head. They're saying, don't be afraid. They say, do what we say. Just do what we say. Then this one is from Charlie. It's like a doctor's office. I get that it's cold like a doctor's office is cold. They put the panel over your chest. Then they scrape your arms and your chest, your legs and thighs. We shouldn't be here. I just, I just keep thinking, I want to be back in the canoe. And then Chuck said that he could see what the aliens were doing to Charlie. I see some sort of device on him. They've got a, this looks like a silvery, it looks like the, like it's got curves on it. It's almost like, like it sucks something. He's got his head tipped way back. It's almost like he's in pain. We're, we can't help him. All we can do is watch him. Mm. So they, you know, say that, go through their hypnosis sessions. They separately draw or paint just to interpret what it is that they said they accessed. And then they all come together with the hypnotherapist and with the UFO researcher to kind of, um, compare notes basically um they also in the course of their separate sessions said that the aliens took samples of skin blood urine and semen from them and so they start comparing notes and they realize that they all have the same memory um they said they could finish each other's sentences telling the story of what happened and what it was like up there and their drawings or paintings are all kind of similar they have kind of the classic alien ufo gray 
um, type of aliens where it's like the big bulbous head, the big black eyes. Um, they have a craft with a beam that's pulling them up from their canoe. Honestly, one of their paintings was really good. I was like, this is a rad painting. Well, they, they're painters. Oh, I found well, out, do it. I found later on from looking more into, uh, Chuck Rack. Yeah. Chuck Rock. I, I think it's rock. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, he is still a painter ah. and has had his work featured in like galleries and stuff. And I think it's Jim Wiener of the twins who describes how his painting style changed after this incident incident. He used to work primarily in like landscapes, things that he referred to, I think in an interview I saw as like obvious, mm-hmm. but that after this incident, it's exclusively about geometry. It's all shapes. And he kept calling it three dimensional math. Okay. Um, so like his, his style changed, but yeah. I don't know about the other two about Charlie and Jack, mm-hmm. but uh, if at least two of them are painters, yeah. I wonder if like they, they were all in like the same painting program or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, so let me see. So they, t- so Unsolved Mysteries has a talking head with a clinical psychologist whose name is William Cole, who talks about the effects of pop culture on abduction stories. Um, he's somebody who actually researches repressed memories and hypnotism, bring these up and that sort of therapy and what the deal is with it. And he points out that we a lot of abduction stories involve these grays, which we've seen in movies going back to the fifties. So they may be kind of like getting in there into your subconscious and affecting what you think happened. And he also said that the people who are interviewing those who say they've been abducted are into this kind of thing. They're UFO investigators and that they might be kind of tainting the data because they're biased. They know what other people with abduction stories say about them. So they're asking questions with that knowledge that maybe inadvertently are giving information to the person who's being interviewed. And so it's not necessarily a nefarious thing. It's it's not like everybody who does this is doing it for a profit or as a hoax or lying. Somebody could genuinely think that this happened to them and subconsciously be picking up on information that's fed to them and kind of forming their story to include it to validate it or just because things get mixed up in your head and that's kind of the deal it's like a version of contamination yeah exactly it's tainting yeah Yeah, like the expectation of what this is this is a really weird point but like in film we have an expectation as people who have seen movies that we know what happens when and this is i'm just citing this because i've i've recently seen people talking about this yeah um but uh uh uh, bullet effects in movies we all know that when you fire a gun there's a muzzle flash Uh and we know what it looks like when someone gets shot on the other side right right like there's like a pop the blood spurts yeah and it's like all right well that's not how it happens in real life right but if you if you tried to sh- if you tried to accurately depict how guns work in a movie, mm-hmm. people would say it looks fake. Yeah, because it's not how we've been taught. Right. Over and over and over again, thousands and to- uh, of times over the course of decades, how guns work in movies. Yeah. And it's the same with everything. Like when you're doing sound design and visual design, it's got to match the agreed upon right. fake version of things for it to look quote unquote real. Right. It's, you have to match up with the public's perception mm-hmm. because that's so strong at this point, even if that's divorced from reality. Yes. Because they're going to think if you make it the real thing, they're used to the fake thing. Yes, exactly. So I, I think it's almost the same version of the thing here. Like if we're going to say that it was a UFO, 
It has to match the thing, at least in part, right. that we all agree UFOs are. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, people are going to dismiss it. Right. You know, that reminds me of the UFO reports that the Navy has had in like 2017 or whatever. Those aren't the classic UFOs. Yeah, you're right. You know, they talk about them being kind of like a Tic Tac mm-hmm. that flies. It's a totally different thing. And in a weird way, it's it's almost, some in some ways, it's more exciting because it bucks the trend. Right. We're not talking about saucer men. Right. So it's like, oh, maybe this is the real real. Yeah. But in another way, it's a little dissatisfying mm-hmm. because it makes you start to think, well, like, all right, well, then maybe it is just a craft from another country because it's not a, it's not a, a flying saucer. That's not what UFOs look like. Exactly. That's not what extraterrestrial UFOs look like. Right. Yeah. Like the, the re- reality has like a bias. Yeah. <laughs> like I needed to. We Simple messaging is key. If you're pitching something, mm-hmm. if you're trying to describe something and create a mental image in somebody else's head, simplicity and short phrases. Yeah. Like and and so we just hold on to these like little cheats of what a UFO means. Mm-hmm. And so if you're trying to interview somebody about their UFO experience and they're saying weird stuff to you and you're like uh, I, well, tell me about like uh, the light in the area. Right. Like tell me what the craft looked like yeah, exactly. or the saucer like, looked like. And the second you say craft or saucer, right. those particular words ping a memory. And then you might be building that memory in that yeah. person's head. Now, I'm not saying that's what they literally did, mm-hmm. but it's stuff like Or that. intentionally, or but that happens. Right, yes. Yeah, absolutely. So that guy is pointing that out. And then they have kind of a counterpoint. They talk to another psychologist whose name is John Mack, who does uh, talk to people who say that they've had abductions. And he says that a lot of people who are reporting abductions um, in his experience, aren't really into that kind of thing. And they're shocked to hear about other people's encounters and that there's stuff in the media. And he says that they often don't want it to be true and that he's not coming into those interviews with an agenda. Okay. You know. Sure. So fine. Um, it kind of ends with a voiceover from Charlie Foltz kind of comparing disbelief in alien abductions to the disbelief that TVs could ever be a thing, you know, like 50 years prior or something when this was shot in the nineties or eighties. And Robert Stack picks that up to take us out of the segment, comparing these stories in a similar way to things like Jules Verne talking about men visiting the moon someday. And the idea that that was so far fetched and that would never happen. Right. And so he posits maybe someday we're going to look back on these stories and we won't be able to believe that we ever had any doubt about them um and i think that's a good point yeah it's the i feel like this is a phrase that's become increasingly popular probably in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. uh i I forget i don't know who it's credited to but the idea is that any technology that is sufficiently advanced yeah is indistinguishable from magic yeah this is i just googled it in 1962 science fiction writer arthur c clark um uh, stated this, which yeah. has become like just a, a way of like, like in the Marvel movies, one right. of the things that they did with Thor, a character who is literally supposed to be the god of thunder. Um, they were worried at the time they made that movie that by going to um, wherever Thor is from, Asgard, mm-hmm. would look like magic and stuff. And they had just had that success with Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, which was all sort of like science. Yeah, and real worldy. Uh-huh. So one of the big things I remember that they put out um around the time that Thor was being made was like, don't worry, we're not getting silly with magic. Any technology that is sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. Mm-hmm. So science uh gone wild yeah. looks like magic. And yeah. that's what UFOs are. Mm-hmm. So like I I I I agree with that on a very basic level. I also think it's a really great way to 
to guard ridiculous things from yeah. seeming ridiculous. <laughs> yes, definitely true. But I also see it. Yeah, I, I think it's a. I think it's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, there's anything, no fighting against it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anything taken too far is yes. like that. Um, so the other thing that you could say is kind of, you know, credible for them is that they've all taken polygraph tests and passed. But remember, those aren't always accurate. Yeah. I think Will will have something to say about that after we tell you about another podcast that's really cool. Yeah, that's right. If you listen to Guides to the Unknown, which you obviously do, I think you would really like the podcast Somewhere in the Skies, hosted by Ryan Sprague. I listen to this myself, and I think it rules. So the story is that when Ryan Sprague was 12 years old, he saw something in the sky that he couldn't explain. He's been searching for answers ever since, and he does that on this podcast. So now he wants you to go on the search with him on Somewhere in the Skies. With current event commentary on UFOs, case histories, audio docs, and special guest interviews, every episode covers UFOs and the paranormal with those who both research and experience it, getting to the heart of these mysteries that continue to amaze, excite, terrify, and mystify us. Yeah, so I think you would like the show because it covers similar subject matter to Guides the Unknown. It definitely leans more heavily on the UFO side, but then there are just paranormal things sprinkled here and there. And he has really, really interesting guests on. And also, I feel like he has kind of a similar tone as us where he researches things, he treats them with respect, but it's also a fun show. It's not like a really serious academic show. It's a little bit light. It's like comfy to listen to but it also definitely makes you think so if you haven't listened to it already i really feel like you should and somewhere in the skies releases new episodes every monday and is available everywhere you get podcasts or at somewhere in the skies.com and also i follow them on instagram and that's somewhere skies pod so definitely check it out ryan's awesome the show is awesome they have really cool guests on sometimes i found out about other podcasts that i like now because they appeared on somewhere in the skies they actually cover a good amount of um unsolved mystery stuff so i wanted to put this ad on this episode because number one we're covering a ufo thing and number two it's an unsolved mysteries thing which i also know ryan is a big fan of so go check out somewhere in the skies tell them guides the unknown sent you and enjoy hell yeah go check it out i think it's also cool to like uh uh talk about these topics from the perspective of like UFOs are just not my, you know, my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. Arguably nothing is. Well, (laughs) by the way, you know, but like I, you know, everything that's been going on, particularly with the Academy of arts. Wait, not the Academy of arts and sciences. No, the Tom DeLonge to the stars Academy of arts and sciences. Yes. Yes. Uh, Like all of that stuff. A lot of it goes way over my head. Mm -hmm. So definitely somewhere in the skies, Check that out. There's yes. more of uh, an understanding, uh, more of a knowledge set that goes into speaking about these UFO stories. Definitely. And he kind of humanizes them and breaks them down a little bit where Will's exactly right. They can get really heady and kind of confusing. But I feel like the way that Ryan talks about them makes them a little bit more digestible and understandable. And he's really enthusiastic in about about it in a way that is very catching. And it's just, it's a really good show. I really like it a lot. Cool. Yeah. 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 Now, having said all that, I'm about mm-hmm. to dismantle the allegations in this okay. story. Okay. All right. You know what? I think Ryan will be fine with that. This is one of those He's things- an information seeker. Yeah, of course. And honestly, like, I'm not going to be dismantling it to the degree that it will be, 
you know, uh, you know, ripped all asunder. UFOs are fake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or ripped us, or that this will even be completely ripped asunder. Mm-hmm. Because as you explained, there are four individuals. There are the Wiener twins, right, and the two Charlies, <laughs> which I thought was really weird, right? Yeah, you're right. Two Wieners, two Charlies. Yeah, weird. Yeah, <laughs> two, two Wieners, two Charlies. A um, Wiener for each Charlie. It's true. <laughs> Keeping it even, Steven. Uh-huh. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, uh, of the four of them, one has come out to say that this story is pure hooey. Right. And that would be Chuck Rock. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is an article that was released in 2016, meaning that it had been almost exactly, almost exactly 40 years yeah. since the Allagash incident uh, occurred or is said to have occurred. And uh, Chuck Rock spoke to the Fiddlehead Focus. Again, link in the notes for, for all of our sources and everything, but this is fiddleheadfocus.com. It's a main publication. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's what he had to say about the Allagash incident four years ago. The reason I supported the story at first was because I wanted to make money. All right. I mean, coming out with it. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, though. It, far more than him just taking the story apart and claiming that none of it is true, something far more interesting is happening by Chuck Rock coming forward with uh, his uh, story here. He says, or seems to say, he's sort of, I can't really tell. There, there, he. One of the things he says makes it seem as if he's like, yeah, no, none of this ever happened. Mm-hmm. Like, UFOs, I believe, could uh, be visiting people. I just don't think it happened to us. He's said that. Right. He has said that he doesn't think they were visited by UFOs. But he's also spoken, uh, by and large, in a way that makes me think that he's saying the underlying original encounter was real. Okay. But that the further embellishment of the story through the use of that re- regression therapy uh-huh. is not real. Okay. He said this. And again, I can't tell if he's being sarcastic or not, but here's the quote. In the fiddlehead focus. Oh yes, I saw the craft. I had an uncomfortable feeling of being stared at. I turned around and saw this very, very bright globe of light in the sky. It was changing color from white to red to green in a liquid kind of melding motion. Um, one of the major points of the, the experience that they're said to have had is with the lost time. Mm-hmm. They built that giant bonfire, but it burned down seemingly faster than it should have. Right. Indicating that maybe they had experienced time differently from the bonfire. Maybe they'd been taken away and brought back later than they would have uh, believed from their waking up on the beach experience. Now, there's sort of a boring explanation from Chuck Rock of why this might not be true at all. Mm -hmm. And it basically boils down to... Uh, the diameter of the logs they used oh boy. to make the fire. So I'm going to simplify it. Okay. Chuck Rock says, yeah, we just used like whatever logs we found. They were small. So of course it burned fast. Okay. Right? But now uh, uh, Fultz, Charlie Fultz says, no, no, no. They were large. They were like the diameter of a human leg, meaning that it should have burned uh, for longer. So is Charlie Fultz being interviewed with... Chuck in this? I think that he was reached out for comment. Right, for comment, okay. Yeah. Um, now, I want to also point out, again, that this dispute over the size of the logs they <laughs> used for the bonfire is not saying none of this happened. Right. It's saying, well, hey, the bonfire did burn down, mm-hmm. 
but did it burn down faster than we anticipated or what? Did we experience lost time or not? Right. That's the root of it. And so it still boils down to almost this, like he said, he said Mm -hmm. argument. And it's in a way like, who do you believe? Yeah. A person who says that now they've gone through therapy that has brought this full incident to light or a person who insists, no, it couldn't have possibly happened. It had to have been down to earth. And that could either be uh, an individual in denial Mm -hmm. against a person who's enlightened or a person who's concocted a story against somebody who's leveling and telling the whole truth. Yeah, right. So it's really hard to parse out the difference. Yeah. What of the Wiener twins? Are they in this article? Uh, Somewhat. I do have some commentary more about uh, them from like how they now view Chuck Rock later. Um, but I also want to point out that uh, about the the lost time experience, Chuck Rock put a real fine point on it by saying that that story is complete manure. <laughs> I did see that. I did see that. Yep. The word manure was in parentheses. Yes. Which indicates to me that the fiddlehead focus yes. changed it from a different word. It was in brackets. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I wonder what word it would have been. I can't imagine. Complete, Dung? Complete. <laughs> Guano? <laughs> that it was total guano. <laughs> I don't know what voice that was. Um, it was kind of <laughs> Trumpish. It was kind but of, but it was like a little. I, it was like a valley, valley yeah, girl yeah, Trump. Yeah. I'm not sure. So according to Chuck Rock, their encounter was uh, smacked down the next day by a, 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 a ranger. So they had this experience. The next day, they go to this ranger and say, "Hey, we saw this ball of light." The ranger squashed the experience by saying that it was like it's probably just a spotlight. Uh, because there was this hardware store that had its grand opening and we had spotlights out front. So it's, it was probably that, but Chuck Rock wouldn't buy it. He explained even that away by saying that the town that had the celebratory hardware store opening. <laughs> right. Yeah. How big, I mean, that doesn't sound like that would be what it is. Not that huge. I know this. No, yeah, it, but... does, it does not seem like it. Yeah. Uh, was in a town called Millinocket, which he said is 75 miles away. I looked it up. It would be a three hour drive. Yeah, it just, that doesn't make sense. That like couldn't be that strong, even if it was closer. It doesn't make sense. New York is one hour from us, and we can't see right. those lights. No, <laughs> so no. I'm not buying it. No. Uh, and then in uh, in a series of public interviews, like they were on the Joan Rivers show. Ah, they did like a ton of different shows. And yeah. Joan Rivers asked them point blank, had they been drinking, mm-hmm. had they been doing drugs or anything, and uh, Chuck Rock says that uh, he was fortunately sitting furthest away from Joan Rivers, so he didn't have to say anything, but whoever was sitting closest to her was like, uh, no, we didn't do anything. Of course not, ma'am. No, we didn't do nothing, Joan. But here's the thing. I have a quote here from Chuck Rock saying, I remember Jack brought some Afghan temple ball with him to share with the rest of us. Yeah, we were definitely stoned when we went out on the lake just before we got that sighting. Now, Afghan temple ball. Listen, last week I had my fedora with the press ticket in it. I did some investigating. <laughs> this week I pulled that hat off so that I wouldn't look like a narc. And I Googled Afghan temple ball. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and that's how I found this. Did you find the Leafly page for it? I don't know what Leafly is. It's like a directory of like different marijuana strains that Ryan uses. Trapped. <laughs> no. Get to jail now. <laughs> I found a website that I swear I've never been to before <laughs> called therealmarijuanashop.com. <laughs> okay. Full disclosure, this was a listing for Nepalese temple ball. And what was the kind that they were using? Afghani 
Temple Ball. Mm. Afghan Temple Ball. Okay. Now, they did cite on the realmarijuanashop.com <laughs> the following. Afghan Temple Ball hashish is known for its sticky, resiny <laughs> color and texture, its sweet, tangy taste. No way. And its narcotic, dream-inducing high. Ooh. Allagash, you just got busted. <laughs> I want I want that Conan O'Brien stamp of yeah. busted. Busted. On the screen now. I think we're on record as really enjoying, if not like <laughs> weed itself. William and I really enjoy like weed culture. It's like very funny. Right. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Afghan temple ball, huh? I didn't tell you this. Okay. So this is something that's not too inside because people all across at least America are experiencing this. Um, there have been a lot of fireworks going off. Like, less so, I guess, this week. But there had been fireworks going off, like, every single night. It was, yeah. like, a real pain. I was taking crumbs for a walk today, and I found a bunch of fireworks boxes next to um, a box for, like, a, a duchy. A duchy? <laughs> I hope they passed it on the left. That's the law. That's right. And a little weed packet. How did you know? Because there was like a little like guy on the front with like a weed leaf and I turned it over and I wanted to know whether it was like from a medical marijuana New Jersey dispensary. I hope you used a stick. You didn't get your <laughs> fingerprints on this thing, did you? <laughs> I was able to, I can't describe it. I was able to just get the edge and flip real quick like that. And it was from a California dispensary. So it was definitely like somebody's friend sent them a little bit of that like monkey kush kush or whatever. Monkey kush. I think monkey was in the name. It was like, oh, yes. The brand was monkey medicine. M-U-N-K-Y. Johnny Chimpo from <laughs> yeah. Super Troopers. Exactly. Oh, wow. Cool. But anyway, yeah. So there were definitely some kids at the high school. Um, Makes me sick. Smoking that monkey medicine and firing off fireworks. Oh, my God. <laughs> monkey medicine they were probably using the fireworks to cover up the scent they probably were i stepped out my front door today <laughs> yeah you texted and it me. smelled of sulfur i don't know what's up with that the devil has come to <laughs> island park <laughs> to find whoever was on the monkey juice or whatever you called it it was monkey medicine <laughs> hey guys you want to crank some monkey juice uh, oh yeah hey hey you try this uh. <laughs> uh anyway if you uh if you want your own <laughs> Nepalese temple balls, $289 an ounce. A real steal. It doesn't. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't either. I don't know. It means nothing to I me. Don't know. Seems like a lot. It seems like it costs yeah, a pretty penny. I would think. Anyway. So Chuck Rock yeah. then also went on to say, I don't call it a hoax. Mm -hmm. The story of the, the Allagash incident. Just brilliant storytelling. It's not the truth. But I have to admire the storytelling ability of these guys. Now, that's a very charitable way yes. for Chuck Rock to leave the story. Yes, certainly. Here's what his former friends had to say about him. Charlie Foltz says that Chuck Rock is a man with a temper. Oh. He says that Chuck Rock has seen himself banned from multiple UFO conventions. Oh, which, if you're saying that the, the Allagash incident is not real, right. that would, it wouldn't surprise me that he's been banned. Yes. He's adding, we definitely steer clear of him because the guy is a loose cannon Ooh. and a mental disaster area. 
I'm liking this infighting. I will say Charlie Fultz had a very strong personality in the Unsolved Mysteries episode. I'm not surprised he's the one who has these sound bites. Is that right? Yeah. At the end of it, he was like, if you don't believe me, I don't give a damn. Oh. I know what happened. Uh, he was intense. Even the people on the new Unsolved Mysteries have this really like blunt way of talking to the camera. <laughs> well, I guess they're talking about extremely harsh. Like, whatever they're talking about must be a standout moment in their lives. So especially for something like this where I'm sure a lot of people have said BS to them about it. I could see a defensiveness kind of growing over time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel it's not totally unwarranted. If Let's- you're constantly having people be like, Hey, Skyman. Yeah. Hey. Right. I could see why you'd like look in the camera Shut and be up. like, if you I, don't believe me, I don't give a damn. I know it happened. I don't care. Just like, you're just done with it. I just don't care. Yeah. yeah. Here's what Jim Wiener had to say. I personally believe that Mr. Rock's self-aggrandizing rationalizations and disparaging accusations are simply the rantings of an angry and resentful individual on whom his former friends have turned their backs. Ooh, I want to know what happened with these guys. I think... I mean, here, well, here's sort of what it is. Okay. Uh, Jim Wiener further claims that it was actually Chuck Rock who had the scheme to make money off of their story. Oh, okay. According to Jim Wiener. Real quick, is it a, I mean, look, I don't think it's so bad to make money off this if it's true. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not, if you're not lying about it, that's not really a scheme. That's just like, hey, we had this weird thing happen to us. Like, people might be interested in it. Let's talk about it and make some money. Unless what you're about to say is a scheme where they were like, okay, let's say blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't true. I mean, yeah, it it would certainly be a scheme. Certainly like the allegation from Jim here, Jim, my buddy Jim, (laughs) from Jim Wiener here about Chuck Rock's scheme. It's a scheme. Okay. This story portrays Chuck Rock as having a true blue scheme. Okay. Sorry. I jumped the gun. But also like... Who cares? I, I don't know. It's it's like, I, I don't know. Pe- people seem to, to buy the, st- it's like the Watcher House again to mm-hmm. me. Like I, I find the New Jersey Watcher House to be fascinating. Yeah. It's a scary story. Right. I feel like it. it's probably just wanting to sell the house. Right. For a bunch of money. Right. Uh, who cares? Yeah. Right. Like it's not, I, I, I don't know if there's a law against it. To, to lie and say that you know. had an experience that you didn't? I mean, it seems, you know, it's not ethical. So I'm saying I don't like it if that's the case. If the case is that they yeah, made you up might not stuff. like it. You might not ethically like it. No. I don't know if there's a law against lying about having seen a UFO. Correct. I just want to clarify about myself. So yeah. there's no mistake. I wasn't saying, so what? They lied and made that money. That's good. I was saying if the story that they're telling is true, I wouldn't call finding a way to capitalize, it a scheme, capitalize on it a scheme. Then it's yeah. just like a business plan using what you got. But... If they're like, okay, let's do this, it's a lie, then I do not care for that. Then, yeah, I guess it. it I guess it's conning, right? Yeah, You're conning, conning people yes. out of their money by being right. like, I'll tell you the truth of something that never happened. Right, but if you're just straight right. up telling the truth and deciding to make money from that, that's okay. Right, Whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, here's what Jim Wiener uh, uh, says Chuck Rock came up with. Chuck Rock, according to Jim Wiener, wanted the four of them to publicly, publicly refute the handling of their case by the rest of the professionals that had like helped their therapy story, like yeah. that guy, Raymond Fowler, who mm-hmm. you mentioned before, and the therapist and everything. He wanted them to basically, as a unit, come out and be like, they're trying to take advantage of our story and they've misconstrued the facts. Primarily, the purpose of which would be, while well, the public loves calamity yeah. and infighting. Yeah. 
Yeah. So from Chuck Rock's perspective, if this is to be believed, by them saying that the professionals who helped them recover their memories were lying about their story, mm-hmm. what a great spectacle. Right. And a look behind the curtain, mm-hmm. kind of, at some of these things. Because then you could wonder what's going on in other famous UFO stories. Sure. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Now, uh, here's what Jim Weiner uh, explained about their reaction to Chuck Rock's supposed scheme. In response to his proposal, Jack, Charlie, and I all voiced our disgust with his ethics, adding at this point that they decided to cut ties with him. Mm, so okay. that is theorized to be the moment yeah. when uh, uh, the four of them became three mm-hmm. and they got rid of Chuck Rocks. But here's Chuck So now Rocks. it's just a, Chuck, just a Charlie with two wieners. Yeah. Yeah. The balance is wrong. Double up. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Rocks' reaction, <laughs> sa- he says that he did not dispute Wiener's description of the events following the alleged abductions, and he claims it freed him to finally share the truth about that evening in 1976. When I was kicked out of the group, I felt a release. I was at liberty to tell the truth, he said. I don't have any sterling character to preserve. So by not saying that that was a lie about him... It, it still is unclear to me. Mm-hmm. The story sort of ends here. I tried looking up any further reaction. There hasn't really been all that much in the last four years. And indeed, even just trying to look up much about the Allagash incident at all online, yeah. there are select few sources that really talk about it. And when they do, they largely just tell the story that you told. Mm-hmm. Um, but is what Chuck Rock is saying by being like, I don't deny it, right? but it freed me up. Isn't there a possibility that there's a version of the events where he came forward to the other three and said, I'm not saying that we lie and say that Raymond Fowler and the others uh, misused our story. I'm saying they did. They did. Right. And none of this is true. Right. And we've been lying and we've been lied to. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's even saying we've been manipulated. Right. Like it's it's a big loop, Mm -hmm. basically. Like they were kind of lying unwittingly. Right. Perhaps. Yes. So I can't tell what he means. I know it's tricky. The The way this article ends is with what I said to you before, where he goes like, I do believe that things like this may have happened before, but I believe it has not happened to us. Okay. So that's tricky. I know. But he also says earlier in the article, I saw the craft. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm confused because he says it didn't happen. I don't know what's going on with this. So guy. it really breaks down, I think, into the following. This is my understanding. My subjective Will Rogers understanding. Okay. In 1976, four friends went to Allagash Lake. They started a bonfire. They wanted it to be used to mark the location of their camp, and Mm -hmm. they went out night fishing on a canoe. Well, let's not skip a step. They lit up some Afghan tushy kush ball. They got their tushes cushed. Yep. And then they got out on the boat. And then they parked them in the canoe. Mm -hmm. They popped the pill or whatever you would call it. (laughs) The peyote buttons. I don't know how it's used. Some sort of an aerosol. Presumably. 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 Who knows? This. <laughs> just shifting my hands. Just <laughs> trying to dictate. Just trying to dictate. The just trying to keep the, uh, the thread. <laughs> they go out night fishing and they have an experience. They right. see something in the sky. A globe. Perhaps an Afghan temple ball. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> floating in the night. Changing color. Right. Right. Maybe it's a UFO. Maybe it's not. Yeah. They get back to camp. The fire is basically burned down. They disagree on how big it had been <laughs> prior. 12 years go by. 
And now the story develops as we have continually heard it. Right. As it's continually written about online. Regression therapy. Now I remember the craft. Mm -hmm. Now I remember seeing the creatures. Now I remember having samples of me taken by them. Total dispute amongst the four guys. They got the publicity for a while. But, you know, just like the Beatles, you know, John (laughs) went his own separate way at a certain point. Right. Right. Uh, and now it's just a complete mess <laughs> and nobody really knows. Nobody yeah. knows the truth. Yeah. But I think that it's a very simple original event. Maybe there was a UFO. Right. Maybe there wasn't. Right. That's all it boils down to is the original event. Yes mm-hmm. or no. And then nothing else is yes or no. It feels to me like the well is poisoned. Yeah, definitely. The, the story has just been changed too many times it's just too convoluted and there's yeah. no proof there's no and, proof and there are too many questions about whether that sort of regressive regressive therapy is even a thing uh-huh. did the power of suggestion affect it yeah. there, there's just you're right it's just very tainted it's hard to figure out yeah and I'll, I'll add this because again my the focus of my research for the show tonight was primarily about this chuck rock story uh, uh picking it apart and everything um, I've, I've looked into Chuck Rock a bit and, um, like the art that they use for him in the article is a self portrait that he made of himself. And mm-hmm. it's a somewhat caricature kind of looking thing. So I was like, oh, he's an artist. So started trying to find, does he have a page or anything? Four years have passed since this article. Um, he, he kind of does. He has like an Etsy shop that's closed down. Um, there's, there's, uh, a few lingering articles about how his work was being displayed, mm-hmm. um, in galleries and stuff. By all accounts, from what I can tell, he seems to be a peaceful painter. Yeah. He moved to New Mexico and he paints. Right. And I and I like that. And as for the three other guys, uh, uh, Charlie Foltz and the Wiener Bros, mm-hmm. they occasionally will still do interviews about this story continuing on. And so, I don't know, in a weird way, it feels like a kind of cozy, the beat goes on for everyone. It sounds like it does. It yeah. sounds like it does. They disagree, but it sounds like they've all moved on from it in their ways. Yeah. Or moved with it, I guess. I'll leave you with this. Please. Because I wanted to then find, if I can't find a lot more Charlie Rock, Chuck Rock, mm-hmm. I want to find somebody talking about Allagash Lake. There are yeah. no Google reviews of the place. It has not become a tourist attraction, uh, from what I can tell, at yeah. least, uh, of UFO aficionados. Yeah, I don't know if this is like a huge story. It's obviously something people know about. It was on TV. People talk about it. They go to conventions and stuff. But it's not Area 51 or something. Yeah, it seems to be under under the radar a mm. little bit. Uh, but here is a comment left on an article from UFOinsight.com by a user known only as Doc. And this is from 2018, so it's more recent than anything else, at least. Have known about this case over 30 years. I am sure it happened. And have had my own experiences, which I now charge to demonic sources. These beings are malevolent. And not friendly to humans, both malevolent and not friendly, which is a brutal. Look, we love a double a double up of evidence. We do. So this is just right in that vein. It's true. The after effects last for a very long period and amount to pernicious and harmful effects, which are significantly injurious and harmful to a person's peace of mind. Wow. Says Doc. 
This is some word salad. This is obviously a doctor, a doc, because yes. of how this is written. Dr. Emmett Brown. That's right. This is a, a smart man using big words. Uh-huh. A thousand Smart percent. person. So, I don't know. Maybe the, yeah. maybe the, the party does kind of keep going. It did s- smack to me a little bit of, like, when we talked about Skinwalker Ranch, mm-hmm. the Utes believing that water is a source for, like, demonic entities and power and stuff. Right. And, like, seeing a ball of light above this lake in Maine, like, I don't know. Yeah. Weird things happening around water. We've seen it happen before on Guide to the Unknown. Yes, so certainly. It tracks. It tracks. <laughs> it tracks. Who knows? But there you go. That's my look into the sort of dismantling yes. of the Allagash incident. Yes. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. We had a real complete thing, or a story, the dismantling of it, a rising and a falling. Yeah. Just like this episode itself. We are at the end. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you go to gttupod.com, you can find links for everything. You can find our merch store with shirts, pins, hats, patches, stickers, everything with the Guides the Unknown logo on them. Or you can go to tpublic.com slash user slash pod if you want to check those out. You can also join our secret Facebook group, the Guides the Unknown Secret Society. Just type that into Facebook and you will find it. Uh, we would love it if you told your friends about the show, if you left us a five-star review. And we would really love it if you hopped on over to patreon.com slash pod and decided to donate to the show. And in exchange, we have lots and lots of bonus material for you over there, including a monthly podcast episode that comes out on the 13th. And so it's coming up very soon in real time. Yeah. On Monday, there's going to be a brand new episode of the Netherworld Dispatch. Yep. And we appreciate it a ton. And so we want to give these things back to you to thank you for helping us out. Yeah. Also on Tuesday, another new episode of our spinoff podcast, Ghost Adventures Adventures, will be coming out. Kristen and I are watching Ghost Adventures from the Travel Channel and Zach Bagans, uh, episode by episode, and giving awards for best quote, most dramatic moment. We're looking at the evidence they capture of the paranormal and rating if it's the best or the worst. Yep. This Tuesday, we're going to have a brand new episode coming out where the crew went to Moundsville Penitentiary. And honestly, spoiler alert, it's one of the most electrifying yes. <laughs> paranormal shows I've ever seen. Yes, it is I agree. Crazy. It's definitely my favorite of the three we've watched so far. So definitely check that out. And you can also find Will and I personally everywhere online. I am at Chillin' Kristen. I am at The Myth Traveler. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us and taking this trip to Allagash Lake with us. That's right. Enjoy the sights. <laughs> And enjoy the the smell of that <laughs> temple ball. That's right. I assume you just sniff smoke from the air. Yeah, that's how smoking pot works, right? Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah. 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 You, just, you just sniff around. Right. <laughs> we'll be back next week. <laughs> we'll be back next week for something else. I don't know. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, we. I hope they passed it on the left. That's the law. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.